Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following episode is about a mass shooting and breaking down the lyrics of the song Darkness by Eminem. The opinions that we have is our opinions alone. We do not intend to offend anyone, and we do not intend to make it seem like that we are backing up Eminem, but we felt like it was important to use our platform to talk about mental illness, drug addiction, and to do our part in helping the world heal. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to a David Crime Podcast, where crime a day keeps the doctor away. Here are your hosts, David and Geneva McClain. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of A Day With Crime. Where are your hosts, David? And Geneva. This is season three, episode three. So before we get started, as you can tell, the show kind of has a little bit of a different tone as we're kicking it off. Uh, so let me tell you what's going on. So uh, it's kind of a heartbreaking case for us today or a heartbreaking episode. Uh, it's going to be a very heavy episode. There's some things that was going on uh, in the news that Geneva and I felt like that we needed to come on and talk about. And so we had already decided earlier last week that we was going to scrap the episode we were going to do and we were going to come out and talk about a case that we never really done. We've stayed away from mass shootings and so on and so forth, but some things has been happening in the news around the Mandalay Bay shooting, uh, and then with Eminem that we thought we should come out and talk about and use our platform for. Little did we know uh, from changing that that some things would eventually change for us. Uh, and the biggest one that changed, well, for us and for the world actually happened yesterday, uh, Monday, the 26th of January. As you guys probably almost know by now, Kobe Bryant, uh, he died. So we was just put this in perspective. I'm kind of done with this whole month because it seems like since, you know, last week, uh, things have been getting kind of bad. So Friday, I was in a car accident where a guy hit me from behind. Uh, and so I had to deal with that. And then just when I thought everything was cool, I go to go to work on Sunday morning and the freeway that I take to go to work is completely shut down. And I mean, it's shut down to the point to where nobody's on it. Police has got it blocked off. I see cars all the way up, you know, going back as far as two, three miles. So I had to go an alternative route. 
And I said, something serious is going on because when I actually got to another piece of the highway, it was empty. Like somebody just came with a broom and swept all the cars off. Then I come to find out that some young kid who was racing his car and shouldn't have been ended up flipping his car completely over and he got ejected from the car uh, and he was instantly dead. So they had to, they was cleaning up a fatality. Uh, then I get to work and roughly just after about 10, 15 is the show or after, I'm sorry, after 11, 15 or so, I get a call from my wife saying that Kobe Bryant was dead and my immediate reaction was that's the biggest joke because you know, and, th and today, this day and time, uh, a lot of people play hoaxes. And she says, well, TMZ broke it. And I'm like, all right, well, if they broke it, it may be credible. But TMZ is usually only right 80 to 90%. And I went to check on it. It actually was true. And a number of outlets had started to uh, report it. So, unfortunately, Kobe Bryant did die on Sunday, the 26th along with his daughter, Gianna, 13. Uh, the one thing I do want to point out before I hand it over to you, Geneva, is I want everybody to kind of keep in mind, even though Kobe is the big star here, there's other people. There's a total of nine people, so seven others that also lost their lives with them. Uh, John Altobelli, who was the Orange Coast College basketball coach, his wife, Carrie, and his daughter, Alyssa, which I believe was a teammate of Gianna's, um, a lady named Sarah Chester, and then her daughter Peyton, and then Christina Mauser, who was a b-ball coach as her own right, and then the pilot era Zabian. So I just want to point that out. Uh, as we're going on with that, then Geneva decides to tell me that something happened to her end of the world. So why don't you share that, Geneva? Okay, so on my end of the world, um, one of our listeners who also happens to be a good friend of mine. Her name is Jenna. She lost a friend to a shooting on um, Saturday night. His name was Ray, and he was shot um, inside of his own store. They say that they don't think that it started as a robbery. But their witness says that they heard gunshots and saw a man break the window of the astrology store where Ray was working. So just a lot of heaviness over the weekend. And while and um, while I didn't know Ray, I, I did I don't I you know I did not know him. I do know Jenna, and she is a lovely person. So. I'm sure that Ray was also a lovely person and she speaks nothing but highly of him. So I thought that it was very much worth mentioning, of course, with her permission, this as well. So. And then, you know, on top of that, you know, so Kobe Lakers star here in L.A. So Sunday night was also the Grammys and people started to fall into the Staples Center outside and they had to move them on to the other side of the Civic Centers right on the corner because of the Grammys. So just when I thought that I'm doing pretty good, I messed around and watched the Grammys earlier today and they decided to do a tribute. Uh, you know, Alicia Keys did her best to try to keep it light. Um, a couple people mentioned Kobe, but then they did a tribute to Prince, uh, who I'm a huge fan of and we lost him April 1st 
oh, I'm sorry, April 21st of 2016. And then they did a big tribute to Nipsey Hussle, who we just lost March 31st of 2019. So if you look at that, you got two of LA's favorite sons and Kobe and Nipsey. And I, I, that was about all that I could take at that point. And I know that some people feel like that it's crazy to cry over celebrities or whatever the case is. But when you feel like that you've been a part of somebody's life, whether you met them or sat down with them or ate breakfast with them or whatever, you get to feel that you know that person, at least in that profession. Kobe was 17 years old when he went into the NBA. I was 23. Okay, so I followed his whole career. In my lifetime, I feel like I've got to see two of the greatest ball players ever play because I come from the Michael Jordan era. So I was a huge fan of Michael and the Bulls. And then, you know, Kobe being his successor, uh, that's my kids is Michael Jordan. They'll never get to see Mike play, but they got to see other than video, but Kobe was here. So what we like to do is um, just a couple of accolades for Kobe. If you guys didn't know, he was with the Lakers for 20 years. Um, before he retired, he was able to amass five NBA championships. He was the NBA Finals MVP twice. He was a league MVP once. He won two Olympic gold medals. He scored 81 points in one game. He scored 60 points in his final game. Uh, and he stayed with Los Angeles, like I said, for the whole 20 years. And he has two, two numbers that is retired, the number eight and the number 24. So what I'd like to do right now is we're going to take a brief moment of silence in remembrance of Kobe, Gianna, John, Carrie, Sarah, Christina, Ara, and Ray. So if you guys would all join us, please, for a moment of silence. We hope they all rest in peace. Our hearts go out to Vanessa and her family, as well as all the other people's families here. Uh, we know there's probably nothing that we can say that will ease the pain that you are feeling right now. I do not know what it is like. and hope I never find out what it's like to have to lose a spouse and a child at the same time. Uh, but as far as you know, Kobe Bryant goes, L.A. is all torn up right now. And everybody's here to support all of the families. All right, anything you want to say on that before we move into our topic today, which is not even the slightest bit lighter? <laughs> I think that you said everything beautifully. I don't think I could say anything better than how you said it. So let's just go on to today's topic. All right, guys, as I said at the beginning, this is, gonna, this is a heavy episode. So here's what we're going to attempt to do, and then we're going to tell you why we've never really fully covered these uh, in, in depth. And we're hoping that at the end of this episode, we can bring a little bit of clarity and also use our platform to hopefully bring awareness uh, to people. All right, so what we're going to talk about a little bit today is if you guys are Eminem fans, you know that a few days ago he dropped a brand new album out, which was called Music to be Murdered by. And in that, they had a very controversial song called Darkness. The reason why the song was controversial is because it depicts uh, the Las Vegas shooting from Stephen Paddock's point of view. Stephen Paddock is the guy who actually committed the massacre. 
the reason why Geneva and I, so we're going to spend the day right now and kind of just tell you some things. We're going to talk a little bit about the song. We're going to talk a little bit about the shooting. And me and Geneva is just going to have a dialogue with you guys on why we've never really covered it and how we feel about the whole incident. And even though this is true crime, but not really, we're hoping to bring, again, awareness. And maybe if you guys have some type of way you feel about this particular song, maybe through us, uh, maybe you feel a little bit better about what Eminem is attempting to try to do with this song. So the reason why we've never really covered these is because, one, all of the shootings are very, very, very controversial. There's been so many shootings that's taken place over the last past two, three years uh, till it's ridiculous. Uh, so we stayed away from because of it was very controversial and because it's very, very close to home. Now, for those of you guys listening, if you are uh, re a survivor of the Las Vegas shooting, we're not making light of any of that. And we stand by you and we hope that you guys are recovering uh, quickly. Uh, the reason we, I say it's close to home is because my wife and I were literally almost there. Uh, but we, I went to buy tickets, and maybe it was a good intervention from God, but I wasn't able to get the tickets that I needed to get at the time, and by the and my check hadn't quite dropped yet, and by the time I went to buy the tickets, the tickets I wanted was sold out. And when I looked around to buy more, it was way out of my price range. I mean, I think they started like $1,100 and above at that point. The place that we would have been sitting at while I was trying to get tickets for they're looking at the whole incident, there was no way that we would have avoided being shot. So we stayed away from that because my daughter went master stairs. I hadn't really talked to her and told her I wasn't going. Um, she knew the plans, but she kind of felt that maybe he didn't go because uh, he didn't call and tell me that he was going to be going. Then the school shooting starts taking place, and we stayed away from that one a little bit because in May 11th of 2018, my daughter's school had a school shooting at Highland High School. Uh, I don't know if you guys know what it's like. And if you don't, I hope you never, ever know what it's like to be on a freeway exiting to work. And your phone rings. You answer the phone from your daughter. And she's literally screaming in the phone that there's a shooting going on. And I couldn't make out what she was saying at first. And I turned on my news. And it's all over the news. And what she was trying to convey to me is that a shooting was taking place. They were just about to walk off the bus. When the shooting began, they threw them back on the bus and they moved them to a mall where it was safe. And they had to be held there for so long until parents could come. Matter of fact, we started getting text messages from the school saying, we know the incident is happening. Please uh, don't come to the campus until, um, until we call you. As a parent, when you hear somebody is shooting at your daughter's school and they say, don't come to the campus, uh, yeah, right. That is not going to happen. I was 45 minutes away. Beth was already working with Connie, our best friend, whose daughter also goes to the same school. They were on the way up there, and then they got rerouted to the mall. So we've kind of never touched them because they're close to home. They're controversial. We don't want people to take the wrong idea. But I feel like at this time, uh, because of the nature of that video, that we need to pretty much speak out on it and, and kind of see if we can clear it up a, a little bit. So before we deep dive in, anything you want to say into that, Geneva? Just that I, I remember when when the Las Vegas shooting happened because I, I kind of, fr like, for a minute, I freaked out, right? 
because I had remembered that you had said that you guys were going to go to that. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, that's so cool that you were, you know, and everything like that. And then I had to really think about it because, you know, when things like that happen, they put the the victim's photos up on the TV, right? In like the newscast or whatever. And I remember that I looked at one of the people that I live with and I said, my dad and my stepmom were supposed to be at this concert. And I said, if their faces come up on this TV screen, that's it. Like, I, I, I'm going to be done. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I remembered, you know, as I'm watching this news and I'm just like, I'm just devastated anyway by this, you know, it is a terrible tragedy. I remember I was like, oh, but dad said that he wasn't able to get tickets or, or, or the tickets that he wanted were sold out or something. Like there was some reason that you couldn't go. And I remember I texted you and I said, did you go to this concert? Like, did you go to it? And you text me back. It took you a minute. (laughs) And of course, like, you know, I'm waiting for you to text me back. I'm like watching for the little, you know, dots at the bottom of my text. They pop up. And you text me back and you said, no, I couldn't get tickets. And I just remember being like, like for a minute, like I was just shocked. You know what I mean? Like I was just, I mean, it, it just hits so close. You know what I mean? And we, we had talked about doing the, the school shooting that happened with, with my sister. And, and she kept saying, you know, she wanted to do it and she wanted to be on as a guest and everything. And I remember saying to her, I remember saying, but it just, it's not like when we had Devonte, which for those that are new to the podcast, that's my brother, and we did the Emmett Till episode, and he was a guest. It, it wasn't like when we did Emmett Till, you know what I mean? Like we were removed from that. Like we were able to talk about it. We were able to have good discussion. I mean, it it was an emotional episode because it, I feel like all of our episodes, to one extent or another, are emotional because we are talking about terrible and tragic things that have happened to other people or that people have done but that shooting was just so close to home and I remember saying I really I really don't want to talk about you know the Mandalay Bay or the Las Vegas shooting whichever you want to call it I really don't want to talk about Madison's school shooting like I don't I just it's not that I don't think that that, that they need awareness it's just so close with our family. You know, it hits so close and so hard, like in the heart and in the gut that I didn't know if I would be able to hold myself together in order to talk about them. You know what I mean? Right. And just to let everybody know, there's other cases that we have thought about doing that we haven't done because some of them we take such a hard stance on um, that we don't want to cause controversy or seem like we're trying to push any rhetoric anywhere. Uh, but in this case, we feel like we needed to say something because we, a lot of these topics that he's covering in this song, uh, myself personally, Geneva's personally and our family, some of these things we suffer from. So we can kind of add a little bit of, of uh, insight into that. So in case you guys don't know about the Las Vegas shooting, and if you are on American soil, you probably do. So if you live in a foreign country, you may not know about it. It is considered to be the largest, most deadliest shooting ever by a single shooter in American 
history. So just to give you a little bit of background, on October 1st, uh, 2017, roughly around 10.05 p.m., uh, Stephen Paddock did open fire from his hotel room. The room that he was in uh, was on uh, floor 32, room 135, and it was at the Mandalay Bay Hotel and Casino, which is why it is referred to as the Mandalay Bay shooting. He opened fire onto a large crowd of concertgoers, which was at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival, which is at, of course, in Las Vegas. It did kill 58 people. It wounded 151 others. And then after that, he did commit suicide, and he shot himself. The most alarming part of this whole case, besides um, people that was massacred, was the awareness that I feel like other people should have kind of had and not paid attention to. Like, for instance, Paddock checked into his room on September 25th, which was six days before the shooting uh, had even taken place. He checked in. Uh, now, he's known to go gambling. Some say he was a whale. Some say he wasn't a whale. If you don't know what a whale is, whale is kind of a term for a big spender. It's somebody who's really filthy rich, and they gamble a lot of money. Uh, but he was known to frequently go there. The one thing that a lot of people don't know about Stephen Paddock, too, is he was not poor. I think he was worth about $2.2 million. Now, he was kind of a smart dude. He had amassed a whole lot of money, so he was able to do these kind of things. Uh, but the disturbing thing is he checked in six days before, and with him, he had 10 shooting range bags and a computer. Nobody bothered to want to look in or check his bags. Now, I understand that when you go to a hotel, you normally don't just, people don't come and say, hey, can we look in your luggage? But I would find it kind of funny, and I used to work first desk, uh, front desk clerk when I was a really young guy. Uh, I would have went to my boss and said, hey, man, look, you know, this dude's got 10 shooting range bags. We ain't seen this before. Can we do something about that? But nobody did. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then on the 29th of September, he decided to move to another suite, which he moved to 32134. So the 32nd floor, room 134. So just one room over, but what he did was it was a conjoining room. So he rented out both rooms so he could turn that into a full suite for himself and be able to have free movement back and forth uh, because it was perfectly in the spot to where he wanted to be for this incident. Um, but in there, they found 23 rifles. They found a handgun. Uh, it included a... Now, I'm telling you this because when we go to dissect a little bit of the lyrics of the song, these are important uh, to know. Uh, he, they included a 14 uh, 223 caliber AR-15 type rifles. He had eight three, um, .308 caliber AR-10 rifles. Uh, he had one three hundred eight caliber Ruger American boat action rifle. He had one thirty eight caliber Smith & Wesson. He had a model three three forty two revolver. All of these guns, you guys need to know, is very expensive. These are military caliber weapons that nobody, like us, who are civilians, to be able to get our hands on. But he knew his guns to the point to where he made sure they had high-capacity magazines. They could hold up to 75 bullets or up to 100 cartridges each. 
He added bump stocks to him so that it would make it a semi-automatic weapon. And then when the police went raided his house, I believe they said that they found like 25 more guns uh, in his house upon all of this. Uh, as I already said, after this whole incident happened, uh, he ended up committing suicide because he didn't attend to live. So as before we go on, I just want to say again, if you are a survivor or if this is sensitive to your nature, we apologize. Uh, but now we're going to get into the part of, of the songs where you can see where this is coming from. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, to further that, uh, before we get into that, it had been said that they felt like that, for one, he was mixing heavy drugs that night, um, uh, benzodiazepines, he had Valium, uh, he was drinking vodka and, and other heavy alcoholic beverages. Um, they found a computer that had child pornography on it. Uh, they weren't sure if it would be on to him or his brother, but they found the computer there. Uh, they found ammonium nitrate, which is usually used in improvised explosive devices. When they went and looked in his trunk, they did find some of that, but they did never find where he had uh, made any bombs. It has also been said that Stephen Paddock suffered from depression as well as bipolar. To preference that far, go on. I know everybody's going to say because he may be mental ill. Mentally ill doesn't mean he should go shoot a bunch of people. I'm going to have people that says, I know a whole bunch of people that's mentally ill and they never killed anybody. We're going to get a little bit more into that because... That's true, and then again, it's not true. Uh, and from somebody who's lived with it and living with it currently, uh, you would know, you know, I, I can tell you how that all works out. Uh, they also thought that he was obsessed with cleanliness because there is a certain way that his home was uh, when they went in there. So before we continue, Geneva, anything that you want to say just on those pieces? No, Dad, I don't have anything... All right, so with that being said, we'll move on. So basically, Eminem, who has always been a very controversial rapper, but he's never really held his tongue, uh, he dropped a surprise album on the early morning hours of January the 17th. And the album that which he dropped was entitled Music To Be Murdered By, uh, which we'll talk a little bit more in a minute about, about why he chose that name. But on that album, the only video that he made was for a song called Darkness. And like I said in the beginning, it comes from the standpoint of what Stephen Paddock was probably thinking or feeling up until the point of where he did what he had did. Now, before I go into it, here's the number one thing that Americans always say, at least. But then when somebody does it, they have a problem, which is it was in every paper. People said it on the news. People I work with said it in 2017. And the first question was, man, I wonder what he was thinking when he did it. What could have been possibly going through his mind? The only people that can know what could probably be going through his mind is somebody who maybe suffers from the same illness that he does. If you know anything about Eminem, Eminem is an ex-addict. He also suffers from depression. He's talked about it very openly. He understands what it's like to be in situations of these natures. 
So he decided to use his platform to speak out about it like he has done about many other things. Uh, and, and people's like, well, he's just doing this now because he wants to grandstand on top of his box. Well, I don't agree with that because he's been the sole performer or the sole whatever you want, hip-hop artist or musical artist that's come up and said what he thinks about Trump. I mean, he did a 20-minute cipher on BET the year he got inaugurated. And he's also tackled other political issues. So I don't think he did this in malice. So what I kind of want to do is I kind of want to read off, I'll, I'll bleep out the cuss words, and explain to you where he was coming from and what he was trying to say. He's got missed emotions about the song. There's actually a guy I watched yesterday who was actually there. He is a survivor, and he's actually a poet now, and he's a songwriter. He turned to poetry so that it would help him calm his nerves and his, PS, his um, PTSD from this whole shooting thing. And he said that he believed that Eminem did a good job, and he thinks that it's a hard topic and that it's something we're not talking about, and he's just trying to awake the consciousness. And I think that's exactly what he did. He used a lot of double entendres in this song, and that's what I kind of want to clear out. And then he puts it all back towards the end on the government. So the chorus is, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be alone in the darkness. The first verse is, here I am alone again. Can't get out of this hole I'm in. It's like the walls are closing in. You can't help me. No one can. I can feel these curtains closing. I go to open them, but something pulls them closed again. And then some whisper says, hello, darkness, my old friend. He just feels like I'm loathing in Las Vegas. Haven't got the Vegas why I'm so lost, but I'll make you this small wager. If I bet you I'll be in the tomorrow's paper, who would, be, who the, who would the odds favor? I'm so much like my father, you would think that I knew him. I keep pacing this room, volume, then chase it with booze. One little taste it'll do. Maybe I'll take it and snooze, then tear up the stage in a few. Now let's talk about that because there's double entendres all through that that a lot of people wasn't catching because like he says in his songs, you got to listen to what I'm saying. Um, so much like my father, you would think that I knew him. So Stephen Paddock had a dad that had a criminal past. If I can remember right, I think that he murdered somebody too, but he was in prison. So Stephen Paddock never really knew his dad. But because of the crimes that he had committed, uh, he idolized his father, I guess. And a lot of people say that he think, they think that that's why he took this step uh, because of idolizing his father. Uh, I keep pacing this room, volume, then chasing it with booze. One little taste will do you. He was popping some serious major drugs. Volume was one of them, trying to say he's going to probably calm down a little bit. Maybe I'll, take, maybe I'll take a snooze, then tear up the stage in a few. So maybe I'll go to sleep, calm down. But this is coming from two different perspectives. Tear up the stage in a few was, was going to, okay, the country artist is going to come out. They're going to tear down the stage. They're going to have a good time. And tear up the stage in a few, meaning that he's preparing to do this shooting. He says, F the Colt 45, I would need something stronger. If I pop any caps, it better be off of vodka. Round after round after round, I'm getting loaded. That's a lot of shots, huh? And then in the background, you hear Eminem say in a whisper, double entendre. Because double entendre is all through that verse. If the Colt 45, I'm going to need something stronger, meaning Colt 45 is a malt beverage used for alcohol consumption. It's also a gun. I'm going to need something stronger. Needs a stronger alcohol, stronger gum, gun. 
pop any caps, it better be off vodka. He's getting wasted. Popping the caps means two different things. Popping the caps off the vodka. Also, shooting a gun. Round after round after round, I'm getting loaded. If you see the video, he's just downing these shots. And then you see him also loading a gun at the same time. And he's saying that's a lot of shots, huh? Meaning that's too many for anybody to be taken. I don't want to be alone in the darkness, comes the chorus again. Then he says, now I'm staring at a room service menu off a benzo. I can hear the music continue to crescendo. I can see the whole effing venue from my window. That's when you know you're schizo. Because I keep peeking out the curtain from the hotel. The music is so loud, but it's almost as though I don't hear no sound. I should get ready for the show now. Wait, is this the whole crowd? I thought this S was sold out. Coming from two different perspectives. So now he's coming from the perspective of an artist. I'm a, I'm a musician. I've done many of concerts. And what he's describing, I've done. I've peeked out the curtain looking to see how many people's out there. And now I'm, I'm seeing five people. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought that, you know, this was supposed to be a sold-out crowd. Man, I only got five people. Did I do something wrong? Did my, the people selling tickets, they sell enough tickets? You know, what's going on? From the artist standpoint, that's what he's looking at. From Stephen Paddock's standpoint, uh, he's looking at, okay, look, I thought all these people was going to show up. Uh, I'm getting nervous now. Am I really going to pull this off? Am I going to do it? What's the out income? That's the double entendre there. Uh, but it's only the opening act is early. Don't overreact. Then someone told me to relax and just hope for the show to be packed. Again, double entendre from the artist standpoint. Relax, bro. It's only the opening act. People still falling in. Just hope that the rest of the crowd's going to come. Just go out there and rip up the stage. In his case, he was trying to take out as many people as possible. Double entendre there. Don't want to hit the stage before they fill each road to the max because that would be totally whack. You can't murder a show nobody's act. Double entendre again. Don't want to hit the stage before they fill each, uh, fill each road to the max. That would be totally whack. If you ever go to a concert, they try to wait to bring the main event on until they feel like it is at capacity, especially in the front rows. If you ever went to a concert before and you're sitting there going, dang, it seems like you know, the opening act is taking longer, look around you. You still have people coming in to the venue. It's kind of like when I took my, my wife uh, late last year, I took her to see NSYNC, and we sat kind of at the top row, and that's what happened. You know, We had Paul Abdul, uh, Boys of Men was there, who I really went to see, uh, but as it got, you know, so Paul, so Paul Abdul, I'm sorry, Boys and Men started off first. They were the first act, and people were still coming in. I still had a whole bunch of seats or a whole bunch of rows that were still not even full. By the time we got to Paul Abdul, though, the sun started to come down some more, and more people got there. And it seemed like Paula Abdul set drug on forever because the main event was, uh, I, I think I said NSYNC, I meant New Kids on the Block. The main event was NKOTB. So they wanted to be at the fullest capacity they could have it at before they took the stage. You can't murder a show nobody's at. Well, that's what some hip-hop artists say. Man, we murdered that show. We did it, man. You see all those people dancing? Double on Tantra again. You can't murder a show from his standpoint as an artist, meaning, you know, we, we did the show. The show was bomb. The show was good. And from Steven Paddock's uh, head, you know, I, if there's nobody here, then, of course, I can't take anybody out. But what if nobody shows panic mode, about to snap and go effing wacko at any second, about to cancel the show, 
Just as fans below rush the entrance, plan is to go wreck S, cameras in all directions. So he's saying that Stephen Paddock was almost at the point to where he's like, you know what? I'm not going to even do this. Right? Um, I think, you know, it ain't a lot of people here. Uh, I'm not going to even go through it. But just as he's about to pull the plug on his idea, he starts seeing fans rush the entrance now. So he knows that, okay, well, head up, people's going to come. He also saying the press is about to go ape S, which means that they, he knows the press is going to take this and run with it. So it says the press is about to go ape S, bananas on all the networks, commando with extra clips. I got ammo for all the hecklers. I'm armed to the teeth, another volume, fall off the bed, hit the ground, and crawl to the dresser. These are the parts you guys really need to really listen to because he's starting to unravel the story here. The press is about to go ape as means, okay, hey, they're going to go double on Tantra. They're going to be all over it because this is one of the biggest country concerts that's going on right now. And because I'm about to do what I'm about to do, they're going to completely go completely bananas. I'm going to be on all the networks just with Jason Aldean and all of them. Commando with extra clips. I got ammo for all the hecklers. I'm armed to the teeth. Okay, so that means commando with extra clips. I got Eminem for all the hecklers, double entendre. He's a commando commanding the stage. If you know anything about Eminem's career, everybody comes at him, and then they lose their career because he fires back. So he's known in the hip-hop world. Don't mess with Eminem. He has a lot of ammo, which means he has a lot of words that can come out and that can hurt you. Same thing with here. So for, And that double entendre, Paddock is loaded to the teeth. He's got all this weapons. He's got all these clips. Fall off the bed, hit the ground, and crawl to the dresser. Alcohol on my breath as I reach for the scope. Now, and that's a double entendre because in the video, you see a bottle of scope, but he actually reaches for a, a gun sight. I'm blacking out. I'm all out of meds. With them, ben, with them benzodiazepines gone, now it's just magazines sprawled out on the floor. F the media. I'm going all out. This is war. By this time, he's saying, now Stephen Paddock is not really thinking on his own. He's completely out of his head. He's been popping Valium. He's been popping Benzos. He's been drinking vodka all day long to the point that he says, I'm almost blacking out, which means that pretty much in his subconscious mind, the alcohol and the drugs has already taken him over. So whatever he's going to do, he's going to do. He's like, forget it. All out war. This is, the, this is the part where he really explains it. It says, people start to show up. Time to start the show up. It's 10.05 p.m. and the curtain starts to go up. Okay, so double entendre. People are starting to show up. They went back and told the audience, it's time to go. It's 10.05. The curtain starts to go up. And at the same time, Steven's pulling back his curtains. And I'm, re I'm already sweating, but I'm locked and loaded. For rapid fire spitting for all the concert goers. Scopes for sniper vision. Surprise from out of nowhere. As I slide the clip in from inside the hotel, leaning out the window, going Kiza Sose, finger on the trigger, but I'm a licensed owner with no prior convictions. So law says sky's the limit. So my supplies infinite. Strapped like I'm a soldier. Got him hoping, I got him hopping over walls and climbing fences. Some of them John Travolta staying alive by inches. And this one, what he's saying is, all right, so. Steven has all these weapons. He legally got them all, and he's licensed to own them all. So he's saying the law has given him the right to have all of these guns. So the law is saying the sky's the limit for you, bro. 
you have an infinite supply of weapons, an infinite supply of bullets, because our gun law says you can. You have no convictions. You're not a felon. You've never been in the mental hospitals that we see. Have at it. And then he says, cops are knocking OF. Thought I blocked the entrance. Guess showtime is over. No suicide note, just a note for target distance. But if you'd like to know the reason why I did this, you'll never find a motive. Truth is, I have no idea. I am just as stumped. No signs of mental illness, just trying to show you the reason why we're so effed. Because by the time it's over, won't make the slightest difference. Then the video, Steven shoots himself. So what he's saying there, as heavy as it is, no signs of mental illness, he's poking back because they've always said that they didn't, they didn't think he had any signs of mental illness, but it's been written that Stephen had probably suffered from bipolar, that Stephen has suffered from a lot of other things that they're saying didn't. And at the end of the video, Eminem asks, when will it all stop? And then it says, when enough people care. So we're not trying to say, oh, yeah, he shot him people because he's mental ill. He, no. Stephen Paddock should not get away with anything that he got away with. That's not what we're saying. We're saying if you listen to the song that Eminem has produced, it's not to hurt. He wasn't trying to throw shade. He wasn't trying to, to bring up incidents back in 2017. I believe he was trying to show you on all these double entendres in the song, the government is pretty much as responsible for doing this shooting as Stephen Paddock is because he was allowed to strap himself with things that we send our military into war with, things that we should never even have access to, that the, that the gun law should be a lot stronger. Just because I have no prior convictions and just because I have no criminal record of any kind, I can walk in right now and get a gun. Yeah, sure, there's like, I think down here is a 20-day wait or something like that, but I will be given a gun. There's no reason not to give me one. But you have no idea what I'm suffering with in my house. And from the way this looks, he was stockpiling these things for a long period of time. Anything you want to say on those lyrics, uh, Geneva, what you thinking right now? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's a lot to unpack. I mean, I, honestly, I agree with what, what you said uh, as far as, you know, the lyrics and what he's trying to convey. Um, honestly, what surprised me the most about this is the way that other people interpreted this. Like when I, so I follow like the Eminem, I think it's like the Eminem Vivo channel. So on YouTube, it will give me a notification if like a new video hits that channel. Right. So a lot of times, like, they're just, like, lyric videos, but I actually watched the video for this song before I ever actually heard the song, which is kind of rare for me. I, I tend to be that person that I find out through whatever somebody dropped a song. I go listen to the song, and then I watch the video 
because sometimes videos or the way that the artist portrays things in a video is not the way that I take a song, right? So went ahead, listened to the song, and the first time that the video played through, I didn't really pay attention to the video. Like I was, I don't know, doing homework or something else, something else that took my eyes away from my phone. So I just heard the song, and even just hearing the song, I knew that it was about some sort of a mass shooting, right? I couldn't pinpoint exactly which one because I didn't watch the video, but I went back and I was like, well, okay, you know, it's a good song. Like it's heavy, but it's good. So I went back and I was like, I'll watch the actual video. I started the video over and I actually watched it. And I knew that it was about the Las Vegas shooting just from watching it, right? But when you go and you watch the reaction videos of other people reacting to the video, they don't, like, I don't know if they didn't watch the same video that I did or what, but I'm like, y'all are interpreting this completely different. Um, you and I talked about it, Dad. Like, they, some of these people are, like, interpreting the, interpreting things to mean that he's afraid that people aren't going to show up to his concerts. Like, and I was like, but did y'all miss, like, the, you know, the, the stuff before that? Like, the hotel room scenes? Like, you know what I mean? Well, the funny thing was... I don't know. I think, for me, here's the thing. I went back and looked at some of those reactions again, and, and I think what they were doing, because... Okay, understand this. A lot of people, when I, I come to find this out, and I I was shocked. There's a lot of people who do not know things that happen in the news. I actually talked to somebody who did not know anything about this in 2017. I was like, really? I mean, it's the biggest shooting ever happened on the soil? You don't know? Uh, and then one person, well, if and the, one, the same person said, if they didn't talk about it so much, I would never know what 9-11 was. I'm like, Seriously? So I looked at the one that I told you about, and I think what he was getting to him is, okay, since they weren't picking up on the hotel room scene, because immediately I'm like, hotel room, dude sitting down. I mean, it, he kind of made it like it was him, right? Because he's wearing a, a gray hoodie, and then, the, and then the guy playing Stephen Paddock is also wearing a gray hoodie. You couldn't really see the body types because the guy in the, in the video was clearly a little bit bigger than, than Eminem. But, okay, so they weren't picking up on that. I think they were going off because they're Eminem fans like us, so they knew his past. You know, they knew he suffered from depression and all kinds of stuff. So maybe they're saying, you know, even though M's back and he's been doing more things better than anything else in his life, maybe he still feels the insecurity. A lot of people I watched did not get it until after the guy snatched his hoodie off and you saw the balding guy, and then they're like, they stopped the video and their their eyes are all big, like, oh my god, really? People, I think this is all about, and I'm sitting here going, it took you this long to figure that out. Um, but just to let you guys know, it wasn't just, okay, so he did it from Stephen Paddock's perspective, but it wasn't just about that because at the very end of the video, uh, you hear the Associated Press comes on and they're talking about, you know, that they did find Stephen Paddock in his room uh, shot, but then it goes on, another piece comes up and it says, good morning. As we come to you on the air, we bring you breaking news, a school shooting. Then it says crushing news, another school shooting. And he has all of these monitors that shaped into a shape of America, like it would be on a map. Uh, and all of these school shootings, all of these different individual shootings is just getting posted. And then that's when he makes a statement, when will it all end when there's enough people that cares? So just to give you something to, just to think about in your mind, because I know as Americans, we know that there was a lot of shootings 
and 2019. So to prove my point, Geneva, do you know exactly how many school shootings happened in the year of 2019? Honestly, no. I know that there I know that there were I, I, I don't know how to gauge how many, you know what I'm saying? I know there were quite a few. There, there were, if I had to estimate, maybe more than five, which that's a lot. Like, even one is a lot. I watched the news, but I am selective as to what things I let sit in my brain for too long. Um... Just because I know that with my mental health, like, it will affect me, right? So, like, I'm an empath anyway, so I feel other people's emotions. So when I let negative or tragic things sit in my brain for too long, it will, like, affect my mental health. It can make me depressed or anxious. So while I probably took in how many there were, I could not tell you. You know what I mean? Because I tried to, like, even if I watched it, like, on TV, like, I would have watched it and then tried to just, like, cleanse it from my mind. So what if I was to tell you that in 2019, in 46 weeks, there was 45 school shootings? That equates to about one shooting per month. And this is in a CNN article. It's so bad that according to CNN, there is no single definition for what qualifies as a school shooting, so they had to set their own parameters of what a school shooting is. Okay, And they came with some things like the shooting must involve at least one person being shot and not the shooter themselves. Shooting must occur on a school property. Uh, you know, They have to include accidental discharge of firearm, all of that stuff. There was a school shooting every month in 2019, sometimes multiple in the same month, from January to November. December was the only month in 2019 that we did not have a school shooting. And I bring it up to say, this is the whole reason why Eminem wouldn't make this song, because we as Americans, I think, are becoming numb to it. I think because we turn on our news and we hear, oh my gosh, November 3rd, there's a shooting in Waco, Texas. Uh-oh, in October 27th, there's a shooting in Clarksville, Tennessee. Our mind gets to the point to where, okay, now every time I turn on the news, there's a school shooting, and our mind turns off. If you're watching the news, just in January alone, there was five school shootings in January of 2019. The 7th, the 25th, the 30th, and the 31st. Two on the 31st. Humble, Texas, was at the Astos Casita High School in January 31st in Memphis, Tennessee at Manassas High School. Our mind gets to the point of where they say it's just turned off. We feel bad about it. It's tragic. We react to it, but we turn it off for the same reason you just said is because if we think about it as a society for too long, it's going to send us into some type of mental duress. Uh, and then we start saying, well, you know, I feel bad for all these other people, uh, but my kid is at home safe tonight. Let me tell you something, people. When you have a daughter, that is almost caught up in that, you look at that whole statement I just said a whole lot differently now. It doesn't become, well, my kid is at home safe. You start really seriously praying that every kid that was in there makes it home to their mom and their dad. Even though my kid never got into the danger of being shot, the thing is, she could have. 
And that's what I always think about, is that she could have been in that situation, but by the grace of God, she was not. So we avoided that. Uh, but I think that's why Eminem did it. It was to shock the consciousness. We don't talk about Mandalay Bay shooting anymore. After they closed the case in, I think, 2018, completely 2019 for Stephen Paddock, no one said anything since 2017. It was just like it came and it went. No one's talking about it. No one's talking about gun laws anymore unless it's to further their own campaign. Uh, no one's talking about what we should do to restrict the gun laws unless it's affecting their own campaign. See, it's, it's got to be on a political end. So, in my opinion, Eminem did a good job making this song. It's a song that we needed. Not because to throw it back in the victims' faces or saying that the victims need to suffer this or they need to watch it. I don't think that was it at all. He's doing it to help you, the victims. He's doing it to see if we can pass stronger gun laws. He's using his platform to say, this crap has got to end, and maybe if I stand up and say something about it with the platform that I have, as big as I am in the rap game, maybe this will be the day that somebody will say, all right, man, let's pay attention, let's listen to him. If Eminem's doing it, if Eminem's going to vote, maybe I should go vote. What's your thoughts on that? I definitely agree with that. I feel like when, um, I mean, I feel like when we see, you know, celebrities or people that we look up to that are campaigning or or saying, you know, it's important to vote, that people tend to do it. I mean, look at, an example would be, look, look at what happened with the le last election, right? There were so many people that went out and voted because they, on either side, okay, um, because they saw certain celebrities that were for whichever candidate they were for, and that got people out to vote because there, there were also a lot of people that were like, I'm not going to vote this year. And then they ended up going out to vote because they saw all of the, the, you know, their idols or whatever saying, you know, it's important to vote, you know, go out there and, and vote and, and have, you know, your voice be heard or whatever, you know, little campaign slogan they use. Um, but I do think that when you have a platform or you are someone that, that people idolize or look up to it it has an impact on those people even if those people don't realize like oh it, it might not be a conscious con conscious thing like oh i went and voted because Eminem said it was a good idea you know what i mean but those things you know we soak those things into our brain and into our mind and we think about it even if we're not conscious of the fact that we're thinking about it or that we were influenced by something and the other thing that people had issue with, and I just want to kind of clear this up too, uh, is so when they went and got reactions, so they saw a number of the people did speak out that was there at Mandalay Bay that night, and now there's also other artists of the country music world that was taking exception to the video. I can't remember who the guy was, but he's an uh, unknown artist. He's not a big artist anywhere that we know of that like we would say his name and you would know him. But, they, but since this video came out, they went back to everybody Saying, well, how do you feel? Do, what, what do you feel that Eminem uh, is doing? Uh, do you think that he's doing something that's good or what? So this guy says that he felt like Eminem was a hypocrite. And she says, why? And he says, at one point, he's rapping about killing his mother and chopping her up in pieces. And on the other hand, he's talking about gun reform. 
Well, let's kind of put that in perspective. I come from an abusive situation. My mom never did, but my dad was very abusive. Back in the day, rap or hip-hop, whatever you want to call it, was written from a perspective, was written from a perspective of a person that had been through something. So all of their songs was about whatever it was they had been through. It would sell millions of copies, and everybody was like, oh, my God, the beat is the bomb, but they're not listening to the words. That album is 20 years old, okay? The Marshall Mathers LP came out in 20 or in 2000. It's 2020. Eminem went from a 20-year-old person to now a 41-year-old. He's went through drug addiction, and he's recovered. He's done things like raise other people's children that ain't his because his wife cheated on him. So the perspective back then was different. So I said if the guy would have went and read just a couple of the lyrics from a song that he wrote called Cleaning Out My Closet, then he would knew where he was coming from. So I'll give you just a little bit of that. You can see a little bit of insight into that if you feel like the same way before they say, oh, well, he's talking about cutting people up. And to be honest with you, I don't feel, I think the 41-year-old Eminem, uh, my bad, 47, he's my age, uh, I think the 47-year-old Eminem would not put a tattoo across his stomach now that says, rest in peace his mama. I don't think he would do that. Um, but here's what he's going through when he wrote this song. He says, I got some skeletons in my closet. I don't know if no one knows it. So before they throw me inside my coffin, I chose, I close it, I'm going to expose it. I'll take you back to 73 before I ever had a multi-platinum selling CD. I was a baby. Maybe I was just a couple of months. My father, he used another word. I won't use that here. Must have had his panties up in a bunch because he split. I wonder if he even kissed me goodbye. No, I don't. On second thought, I just wished he would die. I look at Haley and I couldn't picture leaving her side. Even if I hated Kim, I gripped my teeth and I tried to make it work. With her, at least for Haley's sake, I maybe crossed some, mis I maybe made some mistakes. That I'm only human, but I'm man enough to face them today. What I did was stupid, so no doubt it was dumb. But the smartest s I did was take the bullets out of that gun, cause I'd have killed him. S I would have shot him and Kim both. It's my life. I like to welcome y'all to the Eminem show. And what that's basically saying, he's telling you, my mom. My dad left, and then if you, if you keep reading further, because of course it's, I'm sorry, mom, I never meant to hurt you. He talks about his mom. His mom was a drug addict. He was popping pills. Uh, he was watching her bring multiple men in. He was getting abused at the exact same time, which led to this album, which led to this LP, which led to the Eminem we got 20 years ago. So I don't think at this point that that's a fair statement. Uh, I think he has been very socially con conscious. Uh, he's had no mixed words about how he feels about President Trump. Uh, and he has no harsh feel when well, he has no mixed words what he feels about this. Anything you want to say on this before we close out, Geneva? There was a lot of backlash with this song, Darkness. It was a lot of why are all these celebrities talking about politics? Like, because, man, the, the celebrities are the ones that have the platform to talk about it, to bring awareness, to say, hey, so he's saying, you know, maybe we should explore what was actually going on inside of, you know, Steven's head here. It's uncomfortable. And I think that's why people are so upset. And, and I understand, like, the people that were there, the victims, the witnesses, all that. I, I get I get the, their stance, too. But I think that the people 
that weren't there. They just saw it on the news or whatever. For them, it's uncomfortable. It's like when everybody was making songs about about 9-11 and, and President Bush um, Jr. Pink made a song. It, it was It's called Dear Mr. President. I love that song to this day, but it was all about, you know, um, President Bush Jr. And, and a, there was a lot of backlash with that. Um, which, I mean, I guess if you don't run in the circle of pink, you wouldn't necessarily know that there was a lot of backlash. It wasn't quite like it on the scale that this is with Eminem. Um, but there was backlash from fans saying, why are you even inserting yourself? Why did you drag the Indigo Girls into this song? Like, why are you guys inserting yourself? But I feel like those are the people that need to make a stand politically, right? Um, another one that is a, I mean let's just be real, it's a politically driven song, and um, is the song Accidental Racist, which was Brad Paisley and LL Cool J. That was a lot of backlash, and but those are the people that have the platform to change the world, right? Like, us as normal people, you know, everyday people, we can, we can do things to change the world also, of course, but the celebrities, the politicians, the people that are higher, not higher, but, you know, more well-known, you know, they're in the media. Those are the people that we need to use to get this stuff out. Those are the people with the platform that can say, go out and vote. This is an important issue, whatever. But a lot of this stuff just gets brushed under the rug, you know, for black for a better term, simply because it's uncomfortable to talk about. And that's okay. Like, people don't like to talk about uncomfortable things. But when it comes, and, and I understand that in the end, they decided, his name is Steven Paddock. Am I saying that correctly? Right. Okay. Um, you know, they did, they did decide in the end that, or it came out later that Steven Paddock did not suffer from mental illness. I mean, do we know for sure that he didn't suffer from some kind of a, of an addiction? No. Um, but I feel like things like addiction and mental illness are so, they're such a taboo topic in our society and they need to be talked about because then people get mad when you, when you say things like, you know, when people say, well, maybe this person had some kind of a, of a mental illness. Maybe this person did this, you know, due to their drug addiction. And then, and then you get, and then you get that debate of uh, whether addiction is a disease or not. Right. And, and I, I think that it's such a big ball of debate because it's not talked about like we 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 stigmatize mental illness and we stigmatize the disease of addiction so much in society that when it gets brought out into the open people are like you, you know you got the one side that's like no addiction is not a disease and they're and they're also yelling you know mental illness doesn't cause people to do these things and then you have the people on the other side most of the time people that you know have addiction issues or suffer from mental illness 
that are saying, but addiction is a disease. Like I didn't choose to go out. I mean, yes, I chose, I guess, to pick up the drug. I, I did choose that. That was a choice that I made, but I didn't choose to pick it up and be addicted to it. Right. Most of the time, like when, when addicts go out and they experiment with drugs, their intent is to go out, do the drug and then be done. They, they don't intend to go out and get sucked into into addiction right and then people are like well it can't be a disease because cancer is a disease and no one asked to have cancer well I didn't I didn't wake up one day and say God please let me be addicted to drugs right it's all about your perspective it's about whether you've dealt with it or you haven't dealt with it it also it it depends you know it's also a perspective of your or it's the the thing of your perspective of your involvement or your um, experience with these things. But I just feel like it, it, there's, there's such taboo things that they need to be brought to the light, right? People share things on Facebook all the time about addiction, about mental illness, but it's all about having a bigger discussion. It's about listening to people with about these things with an open mind and I think that's that's the problem is people close themselves off and and they say oh well you're using mental illness as an excuse for this person to go out and do a mass shooting we're not using it as an excuse we're trying to find an explanation right because we as humans I think we kind of have to we feel like we need to blame something, right? When something tragic happens, we don't ever necessarily want to believe that a person is so evil that they will go out and just do, you know, kill somebody or, or, you know, cause a mass shooting or anything like that of their own accord. We always want to have an explanation. And when there's not an explanation or we feel like we say, well, could this have been why this happened and people come out and they're like no absolutely not I have depression or I or I'm bipolar and I would never do that it's it's about but it's about not whether you would do it because you suffer from a mental illness but you don't know what you would do if you suffered from a mental illness and it went untreated you know what I mean I kind of went on a rant so, so here's what I'm going to say. I've never been addicted to drugs and alcohol, but I'm going to tell you where I think Eminem's coming from. He didn't change 100% because he's clean. I'm saying that because I'm experienced with that. When I was younger, around his age, he released his first album around 21, 1999. I've been about 21, my same age. I was a very angry young man because my father was very abusive to me. If you said hi to me wrong, you got beat down. Okay. What happens is over treatment and age, and again, I said I've never been on any substances, but I did have counseling. You start to even that stuff out. You look back at yourself and you're like, you know what? I was really kind of angry. Would I, would I do this same thing 20 years later? And yes, I'm sure getting clean has a lot to do with Eminem. I don't think it's messed with his talent enough, uh, messed with his talent at all, because he's still the phenomenal rapper that he was. But I think looking over being 47 year old Eminem, he's looking back saying, you know, it's probably a better way to express this. I don't want people to come to think I'm really going to like chop my mom up. Um, and that's where I'm at in life. You know, some things I would have done at 21, I may not necessarily, I'd be maybe slower to do now. Like if you cross me the wrong way, I'm not going to necessarily grab you and beat you up now um, because I've evolved. I've had some treatment. I've had things of that nature. <clears throat> so 
But in closing, here's the mental health piece of this. Um, yes, a lot of people say we don't buy mental health. Well, guys, I live with it. Now, I'm not on any drugs or anything like that. Uh, they say once you're a drug addict, once you suffer from depression, it never goes away. You're always recovering. In my own personal life, uh, I've suffered from um, another form of what they call bipolarism now. They called it manic depressive back then. Now they call it bipolar. There's also a thing called bipolar with um, bipolar with psychotic tendencies. If you guys don't know what that is, it means a person already has bipolar. So their mind is already going in one direction. Bipolar brings on a lot of depression, anxiety. Uh, it brings on a mood swing. So what that means is I could be talking to you like this right now, and then two seconds later I'm sitting next to you, and you say, man, that was a good show. Like, Get the hell away from me. Don't talk to me. That's how a switch can happen when you're dealing with a bipolar person. Throw onto that what they call psychotic tendencies, which means that at any point in time, that person could have a psychotic break that could cause them to, for unknown reasons, lash out at somebody else, kill somebody else, or themselves. These are all real things. And before we, are, we jump to the conclusion of this person have anything, uh, well, that's what they did say about Stephen Paddock, and now it's written that they believe he did suffer from bipolar. Again, not saying that's an excuse to go kill somebody, but I'm tired of hearing people say, um, I fell from depression, I never killed anyone, or I know 19 people that suffered from depression and they never killed anyone. Well, what if I tell you that I know somebody who suffered from it, and if it wasn't for people stepping in to help the person out, they would have killed someone of themselves. What if I tell you I've had people that suffer from these mental illnesses try to jump out of my car when my car is doing about 90 miles an hour on a freeway. It's real. It happens. I know people that's gotten their kids taken away because they had a psychotic break and went away, and they say, oh, well, you're not suitable anymore. You've got to have the people around you to treat that with you. So because of Robin Williams' death, if you guys do not know, Robin Williams, rest his soul, committed suicide. He committed suicide because he was suffering from depression. The number one thing that everybody came out and said was, uh, oh, my goodness, um, he had everything. You know, he had just got signed on to another show. Robin Williams has all this money. Robin Williams was getting ready to do big shows. Why would he kill himself? Because people, money don't cure depression. I don't care what you have. I don't care how much money you got, how many houses you have, how many things you can go out and buy. If you are in that slump, there's nothing that's going to cure you of that. So I wish people would stop saying, well, he had everything. You don't know what was going on behind his closed door. But what his, wife, what his wife shared, the show he was on, was about to be canceled. And she noticed that he had a decline that was going on. And as much as she tried to watch him, he waited to that one moment. So because of that, superstars started coming out. Chrissy Teigen, Prince Harry, The Rock, you know, Dwayne Johnson, my girl, Demi Lovato, Chris Evans, just to name a few. They've all come out and they've all talked about their mental health issues. Demi Lovato has lived her whole entire addicted life in front of a camera. She's owned everything she's ever done. She's owned every relapse. She's owned every time she's been into rehab. She's owned trying to get well. She puts it in a song. She's never hidden that because she wants other people to know one thing is she's human. She suffers. She has bipolar. She battles with drug addiction. She battled with, with bulimia. 
you got to put that out there. So pay attention, people, to people around you. If you feel like somebody may be having some kind of mental health issue, don't just write that off as the person doesn't have anything. Go back and help them out. Do I think that the Las Vegas shooting probably could have been could have been solved? I think of a or not solved, but could have been avoided. I think if a lot of if enough people was looking at what was going on with him, it could have been avoided. His girlfriend had her fingerprints on the very bullets that was loaded into the cartridges that he used. And when she told police, well, unknowingly to her, yeah, I always help him load his guns. Well, she was helping him load up to go do what he did. No one ever questioned why he had to have so many firearms, right? Because in our laws, it's our God-given Second Amendment to carry all these firearms. But he's got assault rifles. He's, he's, he's going to use them to go kill people with. Because our gun law says we can have that. I'm not going to get into all the gun laws, but it's a proponent, and I agree with them and them. The law says my supply is infinite. It's infinite because I can go buy as many bullets as I want because you're not going to stop me from doing that. So, guys, all I can ask you guys to do is pay attention. For those of you guys who listen to this that are survivors of or know somebody who is a survivor of the Mandalay Bay shooting, we do not take it lightly. Like I said, I almost was there. My heart goes out to you. I know that you guys are recovering, and it will be forever a lifetime of recoverment. But like the one guy who was there who, who got what Eminem was trying to do, like he said, they asked him, they said, do you think this song could heal someone? And he said, if they let it. So all I could do, guys, is urge you to go out and vote. If you live in, in California, at least, I know we have primaries coming up in March. We have the big presidential election coming up in November. Use your voice. Go out and vote. If you do not agree with the current president, if he still makes it past his impeachment, you got to make your voice be heard. We've got to stop gun violence, and the only way we can do that is by starting to change some of our laws. And if you want another way that you can help, you can go to Eminem. That's E-M-I-N-E-M dot -E com forward slash darkness. So with that being said, guys, as always, don't go commit any crimes out there. So you don't end up on our podcast. <laughs>